Hi, welcome to Talking in Stations. I am Matt Arall, TMC News Chief. Today we have an unusual show. We're set up somewhere else remotely, so it's going to look a little different and maybe perform a little different, but we'll do our best. Today with us we have some regular guests from our panel, and uh, we'll let them introduce themselves so you can get to know their voices. Ashtarathi, how are you? Greetings, fellow Empyreans. I'm Ashtarathi. I'm doing good. Um, I We've been getting ready for the November stuff, so trying to get our corporation ready to deal with the idea of alpha clones. Already you're starting? It's, well, I guess it's only a month and a half away, right? Yeah, well, we got we have some pretty big plans to make sure, because in Faction Warfare, we expect that to be a very large uh, kind of activity spike, thanks to the Alpha Clones. And so we're trying to make sure that we have the facilities to make sure that anybody who wants to come and join us, uh, especially if they want to fly Galente, we will give them basically the ability to stamp out whatever materials that they need. Uh, that's true. Uh, Faction War is going to benefit quite a bit. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Good to see you. You look great knocked out. Um, and so, look at that background. looks awesome. Tiberius, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. Uh, Tiberius Targa is an uh, editor-in-chief for EVNT. Um, also an editor for EVE News 24, a member of Dice Corporation in Northern Coalition. And um, I'm very well, thank you. A uh, lot less alcohol this week than I was last week. <laughs> Oh, I don't remember how bad it was. Um, Urziel99 is with us as well. How are you doing? Doing good. Urziel99 with Multiplex Gaming, The Bastion, and Roving Gypsy Podcaster. Well, that's right. You've been dislodged since um, Potside went off the air for a while, right? Yeah, we're supposed to be back soon, TM. Oh, I thought, yeah, you were supposed to be back in time for Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's what you can say. Hopefully he sticks to it. Sticks to it. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, let's get on with the show. Yeah. Quick, invoke Ash's ability to talk forever. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Uh, let's talk about what's going on today in uh, EVE Online, what happened in the last week, and maybe what's going to happen in the future. Uh, anyone want to kick off a topic? Yeah, um, well, there's actually been a lot of little bits of news that's been kind of coming down. Uh, it would probably be considered to be big if under normal conditions, but after last week and its kind of announcements, this week is, is almost feels like aftershocks. But um, at this point, CCP has officially uh kind of said that what is coming in November is an expansion they've they've used that exact phrase to describe it so um really the the only question at that point is how big is it going to be uh a big piece of it was shown in an email that was sent out to everybody uh that outlines some new uh loyalty rewards or um retention rewards basically anybody who stays on from now until uh, it goes for free in November, uh, if you stay active during this time, they'll they have a set of gifts for you. Some are old, so, you know, some old things, some new things, um, 
And uh, in that same offer, they talk about three of the big things that are coming in November, which is the engineering complexes, which is the new term for the uh, old industry uh, or the industry structures. So we now know what the industry structures are going to be called. They're going to be called engineering complexes. Uh, the reworked fleet boosts, which we know quite a bit about already, and the alpha, of course, the alpha clone transition, which is so. Those are the three things that we know of right now that the November expansion so, will be based around. Is that what they're calling it, the alpha clone transition? Uh, well, they just they say and free access as an alpha clone. Okay, I'm wondering how they're gonna. I, I know they have to message it uh, just a certain way. I wonder what they're gonna pick for that. It's gonna be well, interesting. It's interesting. You mean like to justify it within the universe or like as a way to sell it to the to the masses? I think as a way to sell it to the masses, because as you remember, the last show we talked to Carneros, who said they have to be very careful in how they message it so it doesn't feel like the quality of Eve is going down by making it free. Mm. It's, in, it's interesting because uh, actually earlier yesterday, I think I tweeted that uh, I think that I've been I've been working on this phrase for a long time because a lot of people are saying unlimited trial. I don't like that because trial sounds like there are things that you cannot do. And really yeah. the only reason why you can't do things in this new world is because your ship won't be good enough. Right. Yeah. So totally agree. I don't like that phrase. Um, there's, you know, obviously free to play has its own problems. So the, the phrase free access um, is, I think the, the, the term that a few of us on Twitter all settled on. And then also again, in the email, they say, and free access is alpha clone. So I think that that's yeah, like that. where they're going to go, which is that accessing Eve is free. And then the Omega is, is, is an additional thing. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's all the stuff that's going to be coming in November. I mean, I don't think that's all that's going to be coming in November. It's very important because you, you got to realize that they're not, they're not going to put in, more spoilers in just a simple email though that's kind of the collection of the thing of the big things that they have so far committed is coming in november um although you know they they have mentioned that there are other things um like the pve and the mpe that is coming in november that haven't hasn't really we haven't gotten any details about um and there's a lot of other things like the new evlopedia website which they haven't necessarily mentioned is coming in November, but we know they've been working on, and it would be a good time to release all of those kinds of things if they happen to be projects that are far enough along. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a, you know I hadn't actually heard much about that, but Evopedia coming back I think is uh, is wonderful news. I wonder if they'll get that one volunteer that was working on it back on it. Well, <laughs> from my understanding, so what? That's actually an interesting question. We know very, very little about what this is going to actually be. Um, I've asked some very kind of leading questions to the uh, to the people who are in the know. What I've basically gotten is that it will be effectively a cleaner replacement for Evlopedia, but nothing more and nothing less. Like um, on, they've they've said that it's going to be a little bit more organized and kind of learn from the mistakes of, of Evilopedia, but it's not, don't expect like this grand, uh, you know, lore, the portal like Hogwarts or like has or something. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. it is what it is. And that's, and that's fine. That's great. That's exactly what we need. We need a place so that when people need to know the de facto lore answer to something, there's a place to go right now. Uh, you know, the Evilopedia being, you know, was terrible because it was just completely out of date. I have, 
there were so many terrible examples. On like the front page of Evelopedia, there were links that were just years out of date. And I don't know oh, why nobody fixed it. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't fix it. Whatever. Well, it's all of our fault. My one... Yeah, that, that, that's one of the points um, I was going to make, actually, uh, that was um, okay. there was regular pushes um, from TCP to recruit ISD people specifically for because they have a number of ISD arms um, for bugs and you know other bits and pieces. But one of them was specifically around uh, maintaining and updating the wiki, the Evilpedia, uh, because that's basically what it was. It was really a wiki. Um, but I, I never felt there was a lot of momentum in people wanting to do that. There was plenty of momentum in like player organized groups keeping it within themselves, but there wasn't really like anybody wanting to do the big communal one from from what I could tell. Like I could go in and have a look at some old modules um and they were like completely out there. All the stats were totally wrong and everything else. And I'd go, hey, can I do that? And no you can't. So it's like, okay, fine. Yeah, it's it was kind of a mess, but either way, there you know it's good that they got rid of it. But by getting rid of it, there's now this gigantic vacuum in kind of our knowledge base because there's a lot of our work our, as lore, you know, as as people trying to understand the universe, um, that linked now to dead links, and you see them all the time now because yeah. of Evlopedia's absence. So um, that actually has a counter. Um what would be the word for it it has a it, it kind of is a depressor for people because, no it, it absolutely is it yeah. shows a, a lack shows of upkeep in your yeah. in your system and so if i'm excited about the lore and so i look into it and the first thing i get is a bunch of dead links i'm going to no longer be interested in the lore like there's there's a reason why the lore of eve has kind of this stereotype uh, I just recently did a video about kind of the lore and why it's important and, and what it can be for engagement. Um, and it's a really big place that CCP has missed um, in a lot of occasions. I will give them this credit. They have a pretty big defense, which is the problem with lore is that it's very obviously text heavy. It's very um, detail driven. And in a game that is struggling to be translated in all of the different languages that they are in, it is a monumental effort to change even small things um, yeah. within the text. And you see this all the time throughout it. And this is, it is a great source of inertia, and it's a big problem. And so I hope that by kind of putting up the definitive document again, we can kind of uh, you know, move forward and try to figure out how we can have a good storytelling universe without necessarily being crippled by the fact that every single piece of text that put, gets put into the game has to be translated into five different languages and blah, blah, blah. And it just is more overhead and blah. Yeah, I seem to remember um, uh, somebody linking a, an analysis of just how the Russian client was translated. Uh, and some of the some of the words were just, I mean, from from my point of view, I've been completely different from a Russian speaker point of view. But they were just completely different descriptions. Like they they the requirement that they had put in place to describe the different modules and to describe different weapons were crazy. That something was like heavy heavy assault missiles were suddenly um, light, medium, you know. A whole sentence just to describe it and so it's it's a mess i can imagine just trying to 
create a centralized knowledge database um, without crowdsourcing that in some way or some other is is really really difficult. Uh, yeah, actually, speaking of crowdsourcing, I had one contribution for uh, the Wikipedia, and it was denied. And uh, <laughs> I had read the book, and I think it was uh, oh, I can't believe it. it's been eight years, so I guess I shouldn't feel bad. But the the uh, the villain in the um, Imperian Age uh, that kind of was opposing the broker. Jamil. Oh, is what's that? Was it the broker? No, it wasn't the broker. No, his I name was. This. His name was Kilgarth, nope. but actually Kilgarth is a is a goon, <laughs> so it's not him. But it sounded like him. In any case, um, he was described as this really, really overweight and crazy looking uh, monstrous. Oh, the the uh, yeah. begins with a C. He took uh, out the, yeah, the chancellor. Chancellor, that's it. Yeah, but I forget what his name was. Yeah. And shame on me for not being prepared at that name. But it was a long time ago. Uh, so anyway, they made him, you know, grotesque and big and ugly. And so then when they, you know, brought in the carbon engine and everybody looked beautiful and trim, they put a new face up and he was all like young and beautiful. And I was like, what the heck? That doesn't match the book at all. And look at this picture in, um, you know, yeah, it was uh, pretty gross. Yeah, and and they're like, oh, um. Yeah, he was young when he took this picture. That was like his academy photo. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, thanks for, thanks for killing my immersion on that character. All right. But, you know, I guess they wanted to show off the new engine and stuff like that. But I kind of wish they hadn't because they've hired artists for a long time that made some great stuff, very iconic work. And uh, to shove that aside for, you know, a graphic engine, I, I thought was not a good idea. So it had a lot less flavor. Yeah, there was even some uh, interesting artwork of him floating around as well as like this massive fat frog-eyed thing with uh, some cybernetic implants and, and these overly extravagant robes and stuff. Pretty yeah, grim. and he had all these like, you know, Minmatar slaves and who knows what he did with them. Yeah. All right, that's a rabbit hole we don't want to <laughs> climb down. So. I just yeah. want to point out that I did not do this lower nerdy rant or ramble <laughs> that's on you yeah you're off the hook this time <laughs> before before ash before there was ash there was uh, a whole army of our peers yeah i well i don't actually do well, yeah either way um so i do i want to kind of bring us back if you if we have time to talk about the november uh, the November prizes or the, the things that we're getting in November as loyalty rewards or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. Because I picked up on a very strong theme and I think a lot of other people picked up on it too. But uh, do you, have you guys r heard about the which prizes you or what we get? Yes. Society of Conscious yeah. Thought. Yeah, it looks <laughs> like it's going to be stuff for the, the Society of Conscious Thought. Um, so for those of you who don't know, uh, so the Society of Conscious Thought is a group that was originally founded by Jovians um, and has always kind of stayed closer to the Jove than everybody else. Uh, uh, now, last year in the Chronicle Inheritance, we found out that the Society of Conscious Thought has officially inherited the rights, responsibilities, and authority of the Jove. And so the Society of Conscious Thought is now kind of representing the, the Jove on uh, the inner council of Concord. So they've suddenly become very, very powerful people, in particular uh, Reich, the, the head of the Society of Conscious Thought. Um, and as such, like, like we, 
we just got uh, skill injectors, and that was a, a discovery, quote unquote, a release from the Society of Conscious Thought. And now we're getting this alpha clone system, which is also related to kind of the infomorph and all that sort of stuff, which is really the wheelhouse of the Society of Conscious Thought. And so to tie this all in together, we're getting a, a set of Society of Conscious Thought ships. We're getting the Gnosis which is the battle cruiser, which we got for the 10 year anniversary and for the collector's edition. So if you're um, holding them tough. <laughs> What's interesting is that I didn't actually see a big drop in any of the prices yet. I, I haven't checked recently. It might've dropped. Uh, but like when the email came, went out originally, I expected to see a drop and I didn't see any drop at all. So um, it'll be interesting to see because the other thing is, is that these gnosis or gnosi, however you want to call it, those are going to be really big deal because that uh, people okay so the the gnosis doesn't require a racial skill to fly it doesn't have any battle cruiser skill requirement at all its yep. only requirement is spaceship command one which means that alpha clones can fly gnosis and um uh ccb fozzy has verified that which means that it is basically the alpha clone equivalent of the Stratios. It's the bigger ship that you kind of build up for for your end game kind of, or not end game, but your like high sec and maybe other sec low uh, exploration kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, your all around go to bread and butter ship. Because... It's basically become like the civilian size version of a battle cruiser, you know? Right. Which is interesting because they they haven't ever suggested that they're going to put in a way to produce it. There was blueprint copies that were given away to the people who were uh, um, uh, pre-ordered the collector's edition. But other than that, there is no way to get it from the loyalty points. There's no way to get Society of Conscious Thought and loyal po loyalty points. And so the thought is, what if they don't? Um, you know, one of the interesting things is, and I hate to kind of bring this up because they did it in a smart way. They did they did it the correct way. But so like as the Incarna problem happened, they wanted to give away, you know, special ships. Um, they wanted to, to have ships in the game that people don't necessarily build, but still people use. And so now they have the golden ship, which is ironically golden, right? So these ships that get used and consumed and destroyed but they don't get produced by players. They're produced solely by space magic, um, which means that CCP can strongly control how many of them are in the system at any given time and have them be an, a cool reward for anything from future annual releases to even like a, a future like loyalty point system or loyalty reward system for like an ongoing you know, three months of keeping up your subscription, six months of keeping up your subscription, which is something that you frequently see in games that have a free component. Mm, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I, I, like, I like the idea. I, I can see exactly where Ash is coming from on this one because that would make a total logical thing sense. I'd kind of pinned my hat on something a little bit different um, on that... Uh, at some point, they would be opening up uh, Joe space for, for colonization, and you would effectively, as society of conscious thought now lives there effectively, then you'd get them as drops and things like that in there. But 
that that was my idea. I don't know whether that's entirely going to be correct or not, but that's that's about as close as I could get to it as well. Well, what's also very interesting is is that um, it just says uh, rumors from the shipyard indicate a new ship is about to be unveiled. We actually know what it is. Um, there's a new Jovian battle or not battle cruiser destroyer. I I originally predicted a battleship, but it uh, turns out it's a destroyer. Uh, that functions or looks like it's going to function in a very similar way to kind of the gnosis. It'll be the it'll be the gnosis of battle of destroyers. So it'll have mm -hmm. a very even slot layout, be able to use any kind of weapon, and probably have some limited uh, exploration bonuses to boot. So um, you know these these things are coming as as kind of a way to not only usher in free to play, but also as additional useful tools. For for dedicated alpha players, I like that. Yeah, I mean, what, so, what's, do we know what the name of this new destroyer is? Yeah, thanks for uh, give me a second. I have it written down. Has it written down? All right. Since there's no pauses on radio or even streaming, we'll just continue until he actually finds it. But um, Senesis. Oh, there you go. So, so fast. Yeah. The Senesis, I, I'll, I'll link it to you if you want to put it up there. But um, yeah, so it it says the Senesis class SOCT destroyer allows any acolyte to pr uh, protect the investigations and secrets of the society. Since it has no skill needs, any capsuleer can pilot it. It serves well research and exploration, but truly comes out in combat with its extremely fast align. This is a ship that shows its value when under, uh, understanding the universe re requires a strong hand instead of a sharp mind. Oh, that's interesting. Um, going back just for a second, we'll come back to this, but the uh, Aquinas Protocol there, or Aquinas Protocol, depending on how you like to say the, the guy's name, the philosopher's name, uh, says it's a situation where both supply and demand will go up. And I thought that was kind of interesting because um, another place where supply and demand will both go up, uh, in my opinion, is a lot of T1 vessels, like um, you know frigates and cruisers all the way up to whatever alphas are allowed to use. Since they can build them and fly them, you'll probably get... Um, an increase in volume of both uh, being sold and you know being uh, being bought. Would you guys agree? Well, they can build them, but they don't have the skills to. So, if a person is an active player and therefore using their ships, they do not have the industry skills to kind of keep up with production. Um, so they're still going to rely on kind of the effort of other people or dedicated industrials or Omega alts to do it. Um, just because, you know, if you're building all of your module slots, those require, you know, separate lanes, obviously. So they have very, they had some limited industry skills and they only have frigate level mining. So while there's going to be an increased demand on everything cruiser down T1, there isn't going to be a whole lot of extra support in pro procreation in, in acquiring the minerals. Uh, procreation? No, that's not the word. Uh, <laughs> what are, pure Can curing, these ships actually pure curing the uh, the minerals. That would be funny if they could reproduce. Like if you put two rifters next to each other and then you come back and there's three. There you go. Okay, maybe that wouldn't be funny. Ursula, you're you're an indus, uh, industrial guy, right? Oh yeah. What do you think about all this? What's going to happen when when these alphas like uh, come into um, come into the game for you? Uh, these guys the. The Alpha Clones aren't going to be able to really do squat. The max they can get is four build lines yeah, with a little bit of speed because they get Industry 5. They get no other support skills for the, in production. 
science, they only get the one slot that everyone has. And they can get science four, so they can make copies about 80% as fast as I can. And nothing else. I mean, industry-wise, these characters are pretty well useless. Oh, that's really good for you, right? Yeah, it's basically, it's, it's more emphasis on uh, they're going to be consuming a lot more than they'll ever produce, so they're going to uh, help regulate prices. The churn is going to go up significantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the balance between creation and destruction is going to change a bit. But they're not going to be able to use anything that's super valuable. Yeah, so that kind of balances out too. They're not. They're not going to be whelping. They're not going to be whelping assault frigates or losing a lot of Tech Two modules. So, but if you're not if you're not into industry necessarily to make a bunch of money, like you just like building things and making sure that you're not losing money, because that always hurts. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least it gives you more stuff to do. Yeah, they, they'll be pretty limited because they'll lack the science, the science skills. Science and industry pair very closely together. And the, to right. to do one really efficiently, you really need the other. Well, not them so much. I was thinking of the people who are, you know, Omega clone builders. Oh yeah. Well, Tech One will get. Tech One's always been kind of narrow on profit margins. This new influx in demand, may, we may see a uh, widening in that profit margin. Oh, that's interesting. There'll uh, actually that's... be a reason to create Meta Zero modules and Meta Zero sh- and Meta One ships. Yeah. So uh, yeah, going, going back to this uh, destroyer, is this what it looks like here on screen? Yep, that's the one. Oh, it's actually really good looking. It looks like, uh, what was that shuttle that had the... Uh... The Apotheosis, which we also get. Yes. We yeah, get we're, getting, we're getting the Apotheosis, the Senesis, and the Gnosis. All for staying loyal and subscribed while they transition into this new alpha. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's a smart move. Um you know, I, I think it's to me it shows a certain amount of market prowess that I'm glad to see CCP have, because you know obviously one of the big concerns as we move forward, as we talked about last week, is that marketing is a is a you know making sure that this all plays out correctly and they show that they have the chops to kind of manage this this business as well as create the game is important, and so you know there's an obvious interest in saying well. If if my plan is to go free in November, I could just quit now and then just start back over in November when it's free. And then I don't have to pay for the next two months. And for some people, that is a consideration. And so what this does is it allows them, it helps them make the choice to stay with Eve for that in the interim, which is really obviously you know necessary for, for CCP as a business. Um, the the other thing, like I said, it brings into the thematic feel of, of the Society of Conscious Thought. And like I said, they really showcase the Gnosis because not only do you get the Gnosis, but they're giving away a special skin that is that I'm guessing is only going to be for this, but it's a special skin for your Gnosis. So I'm reading in comments, you, you don't think that that's a sign of desperation? You think it's just a smart marketing move? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think it's desperation. I think that that is a tactical, you know, like... Even if you had, you know, 10 million people, you would still want to make sure that you retain as many people as possible. And 
they're not giving anything away. They're not giving away any skill mm -hmm. injectors. They're not giving away anything of any real value. They have a collection of these little doodads that they can kind of toss out to us whenever they feel like it's important. And so I think that this is less, again, less to do with desperation and more to do with if, if you look at the other things that this is associated with, you're looking at the five-year anniversary and the 10-year anniversary. They're saying very clearly that they believe that this event is just a key part of the history of EVE Online, the evolution of EVE Online. There's these two major milestones, and this is the new milestone. And to celebrate it, we are kind of closing the loop, putting in the third ship, and giving them all to you. Um, and so I see it as a statement of confidence. Yeah, yeah. It's also uh, sending a very clear message of just how big this thing is, too. There's no you know, uh, two ways about it. Right. Um, what's interesting is is that we, you know, November is exactly one month before December, and traditionally we get, you know, Christmas presents, and um, uh, you know it's going to happen right afterwards, and so I imagine that we're going to get kind of the more so, uh, you know, they usually give a lot of inside jokes or you know references to things that have happened throughout the year, so I'm sure we're going to get like some sort of like World War B item or something like that. Um, you know, the Imperium's rejected background as, a, as an item or some, something like that. But um, what, what's interesting is that usually we get some sort of ship or some sort of clothes or whatever, which is what we're getting in November. So I wonder whether or not they're going to just double down and just give more of the same out or, you know, how they're going to handle that. Yeah, interesting. Hey, Ariel, I want to kick it back to you because uh, you always uh, tend to be quiet and you have a lot to say, uh, a lot of interesting stuff uh, to say. Can you... Uh, talk a little bit about um, what you're up to as far as industry. How are you preparing for things? Like, uh, there are probably people out there that are thinking, like, I want to take advantage of this change. You know, I'm not, uh, you know, I want to make a buck, or I just don't want to get run over by the masses. Uh, so, what what kinds of things do you think are going to happen that you could prepare for? Well, as as far as uh, doing a industry with this, I mean, it's basically going to be, you know, hoarding meta modules since that'll be the best that will be in reach of uh, most of these new players, unless they can use faction equipment. Anyway, right, this is going to breathe new life into meta, right? It'll give it more of a purpose, because, I mean, of course, the, the tiers, some of the tier sides that differentiated the value of uh, items didn't help. It was always, you know, if you were in a low... If you were using meta armor modules, you always ran with rolled tungsten plates because they were the best you can get if you couldn't fit tech two. Right. But it'll give more validity, and it you won't just see people bulk buying and selling, trying to get the refined value out of them. I've been out of the uh, industry game for a few too many months, but can you build metas yet? No. Nope. Was that something that we were hearing was going to happen? No. Yeah, there's. It would be nice. They do have some like meta blueprints you can get for certain items, like the mobile tractor unit, but no, not for uh, modules really. Oh, that's right. I guess they need to leave something for looters. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, short of a faction spawn, most loot really isn't uh, worth all that much. Nope. Crunch it up. Build it into something worth worth um worth it so, yeah I, i've got an inventory problem so 
That was uh, speaking of inventory. This is a little bit of a, a side note or a tangent, but I think it kind of fits in here because, as you know, one of the one of the things that happens early on is you realize that you're going to end up leaving stuff all over the place in New Eden. Like every station's going to have a few things that you visited. Because you only if you disorganized. Well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I I had a, a hauler. You know, I trained up hauling just so I could take all my junk with me because I was OCD and wanted to make sure I had everything with me. And even then, I, you know, if you, if you, when you start going into NullSec, you go on deployments, you can't sell stuff right away. So you just leave it there. And then you come back three or four years later and you realize, like, oh, that's the station that we lived in, you know, three years ago. Building secure down in Null. Yeah. (laughs) The running gimmick for the Imperium for like the past three or four years. Yeah, like every every time, I, I think if you're an experienced NullSec player for more than three years, you have stuff in all kinds of areas and stuff like that. Uh, but what the, the point that I was getting to is that that kind of it's kind of weird because then you kind of come back to an area and you're like, oh, I have some stuff that's within reach. I'll go and grab it, you know, because I left it here a long time ago. It's kind of like a little present for you. And I was wondering if that model wasn't what's going to happen with veteran players that are coming back to the game it's like oh i have this you know character and he has a bunch of isk on him and oh he has some you know he has some stuff on him and so they'll you know basically like go back to eve to kind of check out the stuff they left behind i guess that's a metaphor for going back to eve to see what you left behind like what's your character like how does he rate these days how's the game changed a little bit oh yeah and and it seems like maybe that's this is a big cash in for them to say like, hey, there's no reason for you not to come back now. You don't have to pay 15 bucks. You know, we're not giving you just a free weekend. You can actually come back anytime you want. And if this is kind of a one-time injection of people coming back to see like all the junk they left behind, and I don't mean like in different stations, but I mean the characters they left behind. Like they started three or four different characters, and they came. They want to come back and see what those characters actually still have. Yeah. Well, that, and maybe they want to, maybe they hear about from PC Gamer, who apparently supposedly wrote a pretty good article. I didn't read it myself. Uh, it was a good article. Well, that yeah. was an article from, uh, uh, oh, shoot, uh, Messner, right? Yes, it was. Your yeah. friend, Steve Messner. Yep. Steve Messner. Well, he's, he's not a great friend if I forgot his first name, but I, I, I do like talking to him. He's a that just makes guy. you a bad friend. Well, they may catch word of it and, you know, they may decide, you know, hey, if I ain't got to pay, you know, at least I'll, you know, I'll get the client again and I'll see what's what what I'm able to do with my character. You know, maybe I'll run into some old friends, hook up with my old corp. So, you know, it's a pretty it's a pretty real possibility we'll get a lot of returning veterans, if for nothing else, for the social aspect of the game. And with that, I think that, again, I'm going to reinforce the fact that I predict that the biggest problem that we're going to have in this transition is old players that are upset because they're locked into the wrong race. Yeah, but you think there'll be, like, tickets? It'll be like, all right, just this once will change you around. I don't know. Mm. It'll be interesting to see. But Maybe they um, can't do that. Maybe it's not easy to do that would be kind of a bad thing if uh, you do you do change and it turns out the race you wanted to change to you have negative standings with. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of people who hate themselves. They're self-loathers secretly. But 
I, I don't know. I wouldn't do that because meta changes, you know, uh, any tweak to T1 ships could make, you know, Minmatar valuable and Kaldari not valuable. So I wouldn't, I, I think it's a mistake to think of it in terms of what can I gain right now? Cause these things kind of go around and come around. Yeah. Well, that, it's, well, it's thing, it's, you know, most people a lot of give Fozzie a lot of flack for various reasons, but he did break the, the very bad ship centric meta of the tier one of the tech one uh, low end ships, especially. Of course, he also gave us T3Ds, which are cancer, but hey. Which are, which are getting rebalanced in November. Yeah. Yep. Finally. It's kind of like it's kind of like I said about uh, Manny Bothan's show about the Ore Mine Link. Well, this is only a couple years overdue. <laughs> oh, I think I bought that link for a billion. And I don't know what it's worth now, but it's probably a lot less. Oh, the mining foreman. Mining foreman mining links used to be very expensive before they were added to the Concord store. Yes, uh, I bought it, and then a few months later, it was like one-third the price. So thanks, CCP. Yeah. But the faction implants, once the pirate, once the uh, naval faction booster implants came in, I'm like, okay, make one for ore, tie it up with shield, let's go. Two years later, they finally do it. <laughs> right. Well, uh, let's move on to, um, and I think, you know, discussions with uh, the new Alpha States uh, clone is, is going to come and go because it's, I think a lot of the, everything that we do now is going to be seen through a prism of how that's going to affect, you know, how that change is going to affect what we're talking about. And everything from PVP to, um, NALSEC politics down to industrial and, you know, high set ganking. So these segues into, um, the, uh, the free alpha clone state is, I think for the rest of the shows for a while, we're probably going to be talking about that until they actually happen. But for now, let's move on to um, pre-November events. Yeah. And who wants to talk about the coronation? Well, we've got three events kind of coming, two of which are strongly related to one another. Um, the first is that we have the coronation of the Empress on, I believe, the 27th of this month. Uh, mm -hmm. To kind of catch everybody up... Um, the drifters, the mysterious drifters, the emergent threats, have shown up and killed the previous empress of the Amar. Um, and she's dead dead. So we held a tournament to find who is going to be the next emperor or empress of the Amar Empire from the six possible heirs. The Amar function like a, uh, almost like um, uh, the Game of Thrones in the fact that there are noble families and basically, when one noble family takes the throne, the head of that noble family just kind of becomes the king. And that noble family is kind of the the noble or the, the king's household, so to speak. So it was Sorum with Jamil Sorum. And now that the uh, Amar championship has happened, the new selected empress is Katis Tashmerkin, um, who is a... Uh, very financially savvy. She's one of the she's the wealthiest uh, people in the cluster, or wealthiest female in the cluster. Uh, she owns. She has major business deals with the Caldari State and owns a lot of stuff in the Amar. Um, and the big thing about her 
is that she has what's called um, uh, Eudorian blood, or she potentially has Eudorian blood. Uh, the Eudorians were actually, this is how crazy fanatical uh, the Amar are, right? So the Amar are originally from an island, and then another culture kind of came to the island, like Christopher Columbus, and was like, hey, guys, there's other people in this world. And the Amar saw these guys, and instead of thinking, well, these guys look different than us, they must be gods, they decided, these guys look different than us, we must be there, they, they must be a gift to us from God. And thus began <laughs> the Amarian conquering. <laughs> Um, I love these guys. And so the Eudorians were one of the first people that were kind of absorbed by the Amar, but they are so obsessed with their purity that uh, the Eudorian blood is considered to be tainted by the true Amarian purists. And so the rumor has it that Caddis has Eudorian blood because the Tashmurkons were not one of the original noble families. They actually bought their way in as a noble family when... Um, uh, when what's his name King, gosh, Candid decided to up and like rebel. She kind of bought her way, or they bought bought their way in. So, any rate, long story short, she's now going to become empress. But there's a lot of purists that feel that she's not fit, uh, and thus begins the second event, which is called the Purity of the Throne. Um, and we don't know all of the details yet, but we do know that there's going to be sites just like the Crimson Harvest. Um, in which there's no acceleration gate. There's three sets of uh, cruisers and frig set, uh, groups. The third set comes with a battle cruiser. That battle cruiser drops some basic loot. Although most of the time, I found it was just one uh, purity of the throne skin, which is a pure white skin for one random Amarian ship, and it can be T1 or T2, and it can be basically be any, almost any Amarian ship um, that isn't T3. So. Uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of cool. Uh, there are some people that are like, "Oh my God, it's racist!" And to me, to them, I respond, "Yes, that's the point. They're racist. The Amar are extremely racist, and these are the worst of them." And actually, in the story, uh, there's recently a bomb, a chemical attack on the uh, Imperial family station. So uh, these guys mean business, and we don't know how the coronation on the twenty seventh is going to go. The last time an empress was out in public uh they died so explodified yeah she, she, she went boom um, but, it, but this is quite interesting um for me uh, for what ccp is doing because beforehand a lot of uh, certainly when the servers got really big because you know live events and things like that were were pretty commonplace um certainly in the the earlier time of eve when um you know there were people that were scheduled specifically to run these sort of events and now we've got obviously the tie-in with the actual in-game event, the Purity Thone, which is sites to run. But as far as I know, the the actual coronation is quite a widely publicized event. Where after so many people started playing Eve, whenever they tried to run these sort of events, it became a big bouncing act of letting certain numbers of people to know about the event before you start screwing with the server in a big way, and so. For me, having this event, this coronation, so so widely publicized, um, seems like a really interesting change. So I, but the difference between the last event, which was obviously when um, Sarah, Jamil Sarah was killed, um, was on the old servers. So I don't know whether that's a sign of the confidence in the new servers for this event. So, 
Yeah, to put it into perspective, I think that the official information about Jamil's, we'll call it the event. Well, okay, so in case people were not aware, Jamil was killed at the uh, the Keel Lang ceremony for the, her new flagship. Um, so it was supposed to be kind of the, the launch day. So we had been building up for at least a month or two up until that point. And so it was just one event of a series of events. We didn't know that that was going to happen. We, but you know, you had reason to believe that something big was going to happen. Mm. By the way, in that case, Tiberius got some great footage of that. If you have that link handy, you should put it in there. It's a great, uh, video footage of that incident as it happened. Go ahead, Astra. Yeah. I was less than 15 uh, kilometers from Jamil when she died. It was pretty crazy. Anyway. Uh, but so. the point I was trying to make was is that um, a lot of the organization was that they kind of hid it into um, the storyline blocks, which if you followed them, you followed them. Um, but it, if you didn't, then you didn't know about the event. And I think I still think like 600 people turned up and the people that I did speak about was like, oh, don't make a big deal out of this and don't let everybody know too much because we don't want too many people here because it might ruin the event. Yeah, but as no, I was saying, like... they only announced it like two days before the yeah, event. Yeah, that's right. So. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I, I actually, when they announced it, I, I said in the TMC um, Slack, where we do a lot of our work, uh, I said, what if there's a civil war? Wouldn't that be awesome? And uh, we have some more loyalists that didn't think it would be. But it is the biggest empire. <laughs> if it's split in half, it could actually go and be two sizable empires on its own. It very well could, and and the idea of an Amarian civil war has been something that has been brewing since the Amar championship, just because there are so many drama bombs. It's kind of funny because during the Amar championship, a lot of the lore guys would take turns trying to predict what would happen given any given heir taking over and how horrible it would go. I think everybody agreed that the the most explosive would have been Conid, obviously. Um, although we're still really curious about whether or not Conid's going to die. Because remember, this is the second time he's lost, and technically he was supposed to die the first time. <laughs> but um, it's good. I, I, like, I like a lot more of the lore element. I would like to still see... Um, certainly for people in high sec and things like that, um, more integration of the law into just basic gameplay, um, uh, sort of a higher uh, profile of it rather than just having it in Chronicles and, and occasional events and things like that. I agree. But uh, one of the other things I want to note before we move on about the sites is that all of the sites that I did seemed very obviously clearable by a reasonably fit alpha clone. So... Um, that's something worth noting. You know, now that I saw the power level of the Alpha Clone, I kind of thought back to the various different sites that we've ran in all of these different events. And that really seems to be kind of the power level is like one to two Alpha Clones in a cruiser can definitely clear the sites if they're smart about it. Uh, before you move on, I okay. want to know what, what can people do to prepare? Um, I saw Nosy Gamer and they say, oh, we better get his Amar faction up. Do you need faction standing to be able to participate in this? Uh... I don't no. remember. Well, I don't know the exact system right now off the top of my head, which uh, that the coronation is going to be in. But I almost imagine it's going to be a 1.0 security space Amar sovereign system because it's probably going to be where one of the Emperor family academies yeah, yeah. are. So, so if you want to get into a Mars space where these events are probably going to be held, I don't know about the purity one. I don't know if they're going to be held in other the purity areas sites are throughout New Eden. I, I, oh, was, running them, case, so... I was finding them in Galente space. So running them, you don't have to worry about that too much as long as you. Use... 
your levels of security levels at the right place. But if you want to go and see the coronation, then yeah, you're going to need your faction yeah. standing above five. Yeah, they said the uh, coronate they were inspecting grounds on a parade route and damn corsade, so it's probably going to be in a mar. Yeah. Um, remember, but, you can always make an uh, an Amar alt to go there in the event that um, you know. I don't imagine there's going to be a massive c- a combat component, and if they are, if if there is, I'm, you don't want to bring something. Well, I've seen definitely. I know I, there's kind of two schools of thought. I know a lot of the RPers are kind of picking out their their the sh- what ship they want to bring, like almost like a, a, a somebody would go like their dress for prom night or something like that, you know, <laughs> deciding, oh, you know, should I bring a paladin? Oh, no, that's that's Sorum, so that won't work. <laughs> Sorry, I'll skin for it. be fine. And then, oh, wait, and then no, of course, of course <laughs> you know, there's the, uh, there's the super amusing thing where, you know, in America, we just had Labor Day, and then this is happening right after, and the skins are all white. So the question is, how many people are going to wear white to the coronation after Labor Day? It's uh, gonna be it's gonna be good. There's gonna be reasons to chuckle about it. Yeah, I love but, that stuff. Um, the other thing is is that that's not the only event that's coming. We actually know about two different events, um, uh, and the other one we actually already knew about. But but the fact that we have confirmation that it's returning is what's interesting, which is that we are seeing the return of the Crimson Harvest event. And uh, what what I find very interesting about that is. We uh, we often talk about these kind of lore or these these kind of short run events that we've been getting within the last year, and we always compare it to the Crimson Harvest event because that was the first one, and so now a full year has come around, and one of the questions from the Crimson Harvest event the first time was, is this going to be an annual thing or is this going to be a one off thing? What are these events going to be like? Um, and the, it seems like the answer is for at least the Crimson Harvest, it's going to be an annual thing. So it looks like October, Halloween, is Blood Raiders Month. Um, now, the thing that's worth noting about that is that that doesn't necessarily guarantee that the Crimson uh, uh, Harvest will have the exact same mechanics as last month, or last year, as in like the Cerebral Accelerators or any of that kind of stuff. We don't, we don't know. We do know that there are Blood Raider Capitals coming. And we do know that the Alliance tournament is happening in the month of October, which has a Blood Raider theme. So, um, you know, we do know that. Th- so basically, we know that September for the end of, through the end of September, we're going to be in like Amar purity racist mode. And then we're going to go straight into Blood Raider mode. Um, and possibly there's even going to be some overlap, which is going to be interesting. Um, and you notice there's a question from Dirk McGurk who couldn't be with us tonight. Uh, can you read it there in chat? When was the last time any other faction really got this level of lore or play attention mm, ever? This was the type of question I wanted to sort of bring up as well, because Amar's getting a lot, a lot. Amar has gotten a lot of story attention um, in the last year. And historically, I would say that Amar of the four empires just has the more developed lore story. Um, the, the five, the six houses are all very well defined. Uh, Jamil Sorum was a major character in two of the books, uh, and it, you know Templar One was a very Amarian perspective, and the Amar kind of for some reason people understand the religious kind of mentality as a narrative way. Uh, I would say that the next highest would be the Galente, uh, which 
I think most recently, like a big Galente push was uh, the last presidential election in which Rodin was reelected through um, potentially mysterious or um, suspicious mechanisms. Uh, <laughs> and then there is definitely some lore about the Caldari state. In particular, Titus Heth is a major lore character. Um, it, but he's also been gone for a little while. The Caldari state don't really have a lot of like individuals that show up. Although um, oh, I can't remember his name, but there there is a main guy in Templar One that really has kind of a personality, um, and and it stands that out. Narrow it down. What? <laughs> that doesn't narrow it down too much. Have you? Have you? No, the the guy from Templar One that like his with his family. He he, the guy who breaks away from the state to go attack. Spoilers. Is it um, Menon? Menon? I don't remember. It's one of the super. It's one of the mega, mega corporation leaders. Yeah, yeah. Um, Men's, but I think his name oh. is yes, Men's Repla. No, yeah. that might yeah. be somebody else. All right. Yeah, and he was in love with the Kubiakski's like sister or something like that. Okay, we've now gotten even further than I want to tread. All right, so there are definitely some lore characters i honestly think that the mimitar are probably the least developed of the four empires um and we have seen some really good pirate development uh recently especially with you know blood raiders with the crimson harvest we've seen a lot of stuff with the garistus in particular with the valkyrie events and the valkyrie comic and uh the serpentis apparently are just the punching bag of upwell which i hate but we've already talked about that before you know, not to get away from the lore, because I think it's great to, to talk about this sort of stuff, but looking at it from a game design perspective, do you feel like um, because these, you know, purity sites are everywhere in New Eden, like they're just spreading this content everywhere <laughs> to give everybody access to it? It's no longer like you have to travel to a certain area that can be kind of caged off by people who want to gank you on the way in. Well, that, that's the thing that really surprised me about the, the Serpentis event um, more than anything, because some of, the, some of the tasks were better served by traveling to different areas of space. It didn't immediately tell you that that's what you meant to do. But there were, like, if you wanted to go kill the angels, then sometimes you needed to go over to the Mimitar space to go and find them and kill them. Um, and, you know, I think something that encourages people to move around space would be better than just having it spread around because it makes no sense for as far as i'm concerned purity of the mr sites popping up in galente space and things like that well sure um or one, the, or one the of the things that's the one of the things that's worth noting sorry for interrupting um i know i i go off on tangents a lot but one of the things that's important to note is that in the updates.evonline.com the purity of the thrones event is tagged with high sec and low sec only whereas the blood raiders sites uh, or the the crimson harvest event is tagged with high sec low sec null sec and wormholes when i was running the purity of the thrones event i started in low sec and i moved into high sec i never tested null sec and wormholes so if if somebody has on sissy seen one in uh wormholes or null sec uh then oh well but it is possible that they are looking into making it so that if they can have more than one of these events kind of going on at a time then it's they're easier to justify not having blanket coverage because ha having 
all of the sites appear just generically everywhere has been one of the traditionally one of the most consistent complaints about these events. Well, it just seems like it's kind of, I don't know if it's the EA uh, Electronic Arts influence uh, on the development side of the game, but it does seem that um, it is kind of like, you know, more bang for the buck. If you're going to go through the trouble and man hours and uh, expense of building this thing, then get it to as many people as possible to give as many people as possible content. Um, And it kind of feels like these things are kind of put out that way and they're not necessarily exclusive to regions uh, on the map, which would kind of make them Mm. more interesting. Um, But, you know, like the... the... Well, at the moment, the only thing that that encourages you to travel to different areas of the map as far as sort of high-sec-wise is concerned is the Scissors of Evark. That's it. Right, right, right. There's nothing else that encourages that was the you to whole move around idea and was to break you out. Sorry to interrupt, but it was the whole idea was to break you out of your little area of no. safety and get you. I don't know about you guys, but when I started playing, I kind of hung out in the same system for a little while, like for a week or two. And it wasn't until somebody said, "Oh, you need to go to Jita." I was like, "Well, that's 17 jumps away. I'll never make that." Like, "Oh, that that'll take a half hour." <laughs> um, and it that's took me weird. about, I would say, about three to four weeks before I got the courage to go that far. Um, so I, I, you know, I think that those arcs were meant to say, Hey, here, take a tour. There's a lot of space here. Go ahead and take a tour. Um, but this seems to be like, no, let's just, you know, give content to, to people regardless of where they are. Uh, Cause we need to like get bang for our programming buck. So one of the things that I think is important is that the, I don't believe that the shadow of the serpent, like the, uh, the scope section of that, was a test for these kinds of events. I think that these events are like the Blood Raiders event is a holiday event. And so you mm-hmm. do want everybody to be able to participate in it because it's a holiday event. And so you kind of do break the rules in that sense. But what I'd like to see is some sort of mechanic in which we can use the scope videos and other stuff to make it so that there's kind of dynamic, you know, flare ups of problems with dynamically with the, throughout the systems and, and have that be part of the new PVE. But um, I don't necessarily believe that these events need to be the thing that fills that space. But I do agree that there should be some sort of PVE mechanic that kind of says, okay, well, this space, you know, Amar space occasionally has flare-ups of Blood Raider problems. And and Kaldari space occasionally have flare-ups of Garistus problems. And so that way, you know, maybe... Maybe you live in a Mars space and Garistas are the ones that are having problems right now. So it encourages you to go over to Kaldari to help them out if you want to. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's really, really interesting about this Blood Raiders uh, event is if you look at the text, it specifically hints that you can help the Blood Raiders. And this is something that people have been asking for quite a lot in all of these different yeah, events right. is that everybody always wants to be able to side with the bad guy if they so want to. We do have you know legitimate Blood Raider fan or, you know, players, role players and whatnot. And the same with Garistus and Serpentis and all these other events. But we can never, quote unquote, side with the bad guy, which is actually very counter to the spirit of uh, Eve in which, you know, the play the villain or, you know, you create your own story. The idea that you are the hero and you're fighting the villain, or at least you are the mercenary and you're killing the bad guy, um, you know, is not that beat is kind of played out and people want to play that maybe want to play interference or whatever. Well, the text seem to suggest that you can, and that, in my opinion, either needs to mean something or CCP needs to stop saying stuff like that because, um, you know, 
players really, really want that. And if you're going to promise, you know, deliver on that promise, great. But if you're not going to deliver on that promise, please don't make it because that would be a problem. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that people want to be uh, want to be able to do. That's part of the whole sandbox is that you you control your own destiny and loyalties and uh it's just weird to me that uh with so much freedom everybody's so mean <laughs> it's because nobody likes to be good all the time maybe because they have to be good in real life and yeah exactly i don't know though i think the game is mean do you guys think it's mean well yeah but also i mean like i think it's not totally. just that i think it's people find these characters interesting and in a lot of ways, I think that the EVE player base finds the lore more interesting than a lot of the like CCP officially does, right? Like they're especially yeah. in particular the pirates. The pirates have a lot of character about them, um, you know. Well, especially the better developed that. ones. What? Yeah, a prime what? example of that is um, the paintings that uh, Gabriel Cassandra did. They're not about uh, Jacobs Roden or the. Empress of Amar, or you know, the, whoever's the head of the tribal council of I the Mimitar Republic. I love how nobody knows who's in charge of the Mimitar. Like I said, it's the I worst know. defined of all of the five, five or four factions. You know, it, it's it's about the pirates. They've done Sapati from the Serpentis and Bloody Omir and uh, Fatal and the Rabbit and all this sort of stuff because they're interesting characters. They're dark and broody, and they got a lot of history with them. And by far, when you're playing Eve, um, certainly from a PVE element, they're the ones that you sort of touch the most. You know about the Gristas because you spend most of your time shooting at them. Let's be clear. Rodin's a badass. I would love to see that <laughs> uh, uh, him do a, a picture of Rodin. Hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to stick with my Eve is mean uh, meme. <laughs> that makes it on Reddit or somewhere where it's popular. All right. So we'll well, go post on Reddit match for tears. Evie's mean. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, are we finished talking about Eve and development and the stuff that's coming? There are uh, some other, I there think are a few so. Other things. I, no, I no. think that the only other, like I said, I touched on it earlier, but uh, the only other big news was that we got the uh, official name of the industrial arrays now, which is yeah. engineering, engineering complexes. complexes. Which, which, and and official set in stone not just a comment in reddit uh, evidence that we are getting it in november which is useful well this is really frustrating if you go to um, updates.elonline.com like half the tabs or more are all just player gatherings which i appreciate you know you're going to get people together but that's how little information is coming through now, well, that's ironic to say they just blasted us with these two three dev blogs that have made things you know huge changes and given us a lot to talk about but uh, there's just not, the, you know, it's the incremental stuff is not there. Well, you're looking for the the tabs that are labeled upcoming, right? So there's gatherings, yeah. there's <laughs> events, and there's upcoming. The three upcoming that are relevant are upcoming September 13th, upcoming October, and upcoming November. And there's technically upcoming winter, but uh, there's actually a really funny, like, debate on Reddit because um, CCB Fozzie said that november is technically winter and then like one of the dev teams came in and was like uh no no winter is winter november is fall so uh the drilling <laughs> platforms are going to be coming probably in like december or january um so potentially they, february they weren't asked they weren't talking about um 
they weren't actually talking about seasons and what is and isn't a part of the you know past solstice or whatever. They're talking about when things are going to be delivered, right? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So that that means that the these uh, platforms might not be uh, available until next year. No, no, no. So the uh, the engineering complexes are coming in the November expansion. Okay, so that's the locked. drilling platforms, which are going oh. to replace moon mining, are coming in winter, which is going right. to be somewhere before like February. And all this all this means that by the time FanFest comes around next year, uh, the player-owned stations pauses will be outdated and probably begin a removal process. Right? That's what yep. they're gonna... yeah. They said that by by FanFest next year, the pause buyback program should be in effect. Yep. Because they're going to go for the whole overlap period for a while where the replacement can start happening. And then once that overlap period finishes, then they stop working. Hey, do we know anything about uh, effects generated by Titans? And this is part of the boosting changes. It's basically the boosting Titans are going to be able to change. We know, uh, we know nothing more than... Sorry, go for it, Titan. Yeah, so, so basically what these are, they're, they're a specialized command um, module uh, so where normally you would get a skirmish boost or whatever these are very specialized command modules specifically designed to fit on titans and no other ship um, the the design philosophy from behind them from what i can get is that they will provide a certain number of bonuses to a particular things and they generally tend to be racial um we don't know if it's racially locked to the titan or whether it's just a racial module that you can fit to any titan we haven't found that bit out yet but it will give a bonus based on that racial um that race's general stats let's not and say will give a, a buff a buff so um and then it will give um a penalty to other similar to how wormholes work so similar how to wolf rat works and things like that um and that's that's the general idea of them um so like amar ships um I, i'm just pulling some figures but i remember the amar ship had a penalty to speed um but a bonus to uh sort of optimal ranges and things like that for um, and that affects everybody capacitor. yeah that's it capacitor and things like that so and it affects everybody on grid not just like um people in your fleet it affects everybody yeah if you look at titans now there's a each one gives a bonus for its place in the fleet hierarchy. Yep. And this uh, this effects generator is essentially a means to replace that. Yeah, and this is funny because this is something that was floated a long time ago when they were just kind of uh, saying, you know, the the Titans might not just be you know high power damage dealers. They may be taking on this form. And he said this wormhole effects, uh, you know, for uh, a, the combat grid. Yep, and people went nuts. So, I, I, I'm still. I gotta say, I am extremely skeptical about this feature because, really, my question is, what happens when all of the effects are going at the same time? Because whatever that is, that is going to be the constant state of Titan yeah. combat. That's that's the big criticism at the moment because people are kind of like, "How's that gonna work?" Because if you have like one of each Titan on grid, well, um. I, I can understand where it's coming from on the point of the fact that it's it's meant to be your enemies fielding a particular doctrine, so therefore you field your own doctrine with your titan that pe penalizes theirs but benefits yours. So 
I can get that philosophy behind it, but we we just don't know how this how the mechanics going to work in any fine detail yet to really the, make an answer that. The only thing I can think of at this point, and this is something I've thought about for a long time. So if they end up with a clever solution, then awesome! I you know that's great. The only thing I can think of is like races that counter each other also counter each other's effects, right? So that if all Ooh. four are running, it basically is a net zero, because otherwise you just get a bunch of random crazy effects that don't really work well with each other. And I don't know whether or not that's going to be really great gameplay. Well, I always, uh, the way I see it, these Titans are going to be supposed to be set pieces that uh, will enhance whatever doctrine of ships that you're bringing. Um, sure. But we've uh, demonstrated uh, just in the last couple of weeks that, that Titan, you know, mass Titan spam combat is still a thing. Yeah. And yeah. as long as that's still a thing. And I mean, you know, four Titans on the field, each broadcasting a different effect. Not unreasonable. P as long as PL is an entity, this will continue to be a threat. <laughs> well, it's probably more NC these days, right? Don't they have the bigger capital fleet? I, sh I should say, I don't, don't we? I don't know. Insert random capital group here. <laughs> yeah. Well, one one capital group less is a tissue. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get to uh, NullSec News in just a second. Um, so is there anything else in this November uh, expansion you guys wanted to cover? I mean, we've covered it a lot, and we're going to cover it more. Uh, it's obviously a very important uh, upgrade to the game. Uh, so there'll definitely be other times that we talk about it. but um, Nothing that we haven't previously covered before. There's one other thing that I want to say, which is kind of a side thing. Um, I, so last week I said that we were collecting questions with CCP Siegel. Uh, she and I have been working with those questions and we realized that they don't really make a great interview set in the same sort of way. And also she's been very, very busy with, uh, you know, being an executive producer. So we're still trying to figure out the best way to provide that content. I've kind of distilled it down into kind of quality interview questions that give her plenty of things to talk about and launch off of. Um, so hopefully either she can record them, uh, soon or, you know, we can record them together. But we do want to, uh, or, you know, she does want to address, uh, we, like, I'm fucking important. Uh, she does want to address a lot of oh. the questions of the, of the community. I'm glad you deflated your own ego before oh, I got dude. to it. I, you know, whatever. Look, if Tiberius can deflate my ego, I get to deflate yours. Dude, I'm just, I'm just a shitty bard in space, man. That's, that's all I am. No, it's no, all no. circular. Don't Deflating each other's egos. <laughs> um... So yeah, other than that, I can't think of anything else that's really that we haven't already talked about with what's coming up. Um, I do know that we're going to get some more dev blogs, so hopefully by this time next week we'll be either chewing through the second booster blo dev blog or yeah. some information about the um, complexes, the new uh, but also, platforms. Don't forget, we got um, like three major events. Um, well, I say major, but we got three events coming up where CCP usually gives us a little extra tidbit. Um, we've got Eve Down Under, Eve Vegas, and Eve NT as well, um, where normally something is revealed uh, along the lines. Um, especially for Vegas, there's probably going to be a whole bunch of stuff held up back for that, and there's probably going to be some interesting stuff held for Eve Down Under as well. I well. They didn't actually make any new announcements in uh, Vegas, did they? They just what? kind of. What? Yes, no, they didn't. did. That's when they announced all of the capital changes. All the capital no, 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 changes. No, no, no. We knew they were coming. No, there no. They had, we knew it from leaks. They, they, they had never. We, we, we had CSM leaks the week before E Vegas. This was the big deal, 
because mm -hmm. the capital information leaked prior to Vegas. But the Vegas keynote was the official announcement of the capital changes and what they were going to be. And it was the first time we saw the fighter changes and the first time we saw the new doomsdays. Yep. So, so a lot of stuff. what I imagine is Well, I thought it was is... just the details, though. Like, they had, we nope. knew they were coming. We knew capital changes no. were coming. No, because we knew I, remember, I remember when we went into the keynote, the big question at the keynote was whether or not a particular CSM member was going to be proven right, which meant that he had broken his NDA, if you remember correctly. Um, I sat next to you, I think, or next to Graf, uh, and I didn't remember anything besides that. <laughs> well, there was, 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 there was an issue, there was an issue during that time. I can't remember which CSM guy, but there was the whole idea of like, don't sell your, your capitals because we didn't actually know yeah, what the capital was, changes were. That was Vince Drake and he wasn't the CSM guy, but uh, it was supposed that if Manny leaked, it went to PL and PL pushed it over to Vince and Vince was telling all his guys, don't sell anything. These, these new correct. things that are coming are going to be amazing. So don't sell anything. And that was supposed to be like evidence that there was definitely information out. Right. So the key to that was when the details were announced at the keynote, that's when we knew that it was true because it confirmed the leaks. Uh, okay, so uh, hopefully you guys are hearing me because uh, I'm getting some feedback that it's uh, getting some some drops in what we're saying. But uh, let's move on if we're all done with this on uh, what's going on out there. What should people know about in the news this week? Um, anything going on? Yeah, Nyden really. would like... <laughs> Nyden would like to to me to mention that Snuffbox, I'm guessing he's saying Snuffbox when he says we, S Snuffbox crushed NC Dot, Darkness, and Horde. He just wanted me to make sure to bring that up. So hopefully nice. you guys have something to say. <laughs> I did, uh, nothing happened. It's all that lies. <laughs> you know, Kill Melzer didn't happen. Yeah, I was going to say battle <laughs> reports. Let's see. Let's see some numbers. That's right. funny. I'll, actually, I'll actually, some... to be fair, actually, to be fair, um, there was a little fight a day ago um, over. A, I think it was a. I can't. Remember, I don't even know whose citadel it was, but um, there was a little fight over a citadel um, where uh, NC and and friends lost like twenty billion isk versus four and a half billion isk or something like that. Yeah, it's a pretty good stomping. There's a fire well, that went boom. Hmm. Actually, there was, how many keep stars have been blown up? There's at least two, oh, yeah, right? right? Two. Star. Second keep star got blown up. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's what I meant. What do we know about that? Uh, uh, it was blown up in anchoring. Yeah, and and CVA was defending it, which was kind of funny. I think it belonged With, to Lumpy, right? Or is that my no, no, no. That was the Fortizar. Okay. Uh, the keep star that died belonged to Wing Wonders, who was a group that. Up until recently, uh, lived in Delve. Um, they were renters, I think, uh, that were under the umbrella of Lumpy and that. Um, but they moved to a new area space and decided, hey, we're going to put up a keep star, and promptly got it kicked down again. So there well, you go. Thanks but for clearly renters have far too much money. <laughs> so we need to tax them some Yeah. I have heard that they they hired a defense fleet that just didn't show up. Well, surprisingly, I, <laughs> to be fair, I, I hope they didn't pay up front. I don't know. That's how mercenary contract works. You pay them up front. Yeah, that's. Uh... I tried, uh, that, that's something I learned. 
uh, not too long ago that if you wanted to hire mercenaries, you got to pay them up front. So, which seems kind of ridiculous, all things considered. Well, I tried well, yeah, not to pay well, them up front. They don't, they, show really, up. Nope. they don't show up. They don't get hired again. But I guess if it's a big enough payday, you don't care about that. I don't know. That's why you'll you'll never see that kind of behavior out of a reputable uh, mercenary group because they want to be able to be hired again. Yeah. Uh, additionally, I uh, saw a report come across from earlier today that uh, the Imperium is invading FCON. That's kind of interesting, if it's true. Otherwise, it's Where's just FCon a giant troll. Live? It's on Reddit, so it's probably a troll. Where do FCON live now? I was going to say, yeah. don't they live out like past like Catch and Providence and all that? Yeah, they're, they're pretty yeah far that's, away. Like, that's like two or three regions away from where they... The Imperium is at the moment. So. Yeah, we have no reason to be over there except maybe yeah. to troll people. There well, might if be I said a like a culture. The, the headline is FCON yeah. won't play, pay stunt Florida's, Florida's ransom. Imperium invasion of FCON space begins. Nah, yeah, it's a troll. Wouldn't, wouldn't too, put too much stock into Reddit. There's a lot of jokesters on there. Yeah. Worst they could probably face would be a SIG deployment. Well, the most hilarious thing was, uh, oh, actually, that's that's a bit of funny news. Um, thinking of that, uh, taking stock on Reddit, because Tess tried to claim, uh, take claim for it because one of their spies did it. Um, NC claimed the first Titan destroyed by a Keepstar and the first Titan lost to a Keepstar. Both at the same <laughs> so time. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, Tess was straight in there on Reddit going, yes, we infiltrated it, mad the thing, and, and blew it up when we actually know it was... Uh, one of our own guys. So. We know we know both the guys involved, and it definitely wasn't a <laughs> Which is quite funny. Dirk, Dirk says it's not an invasion. They're bringing him back into the fold through diplomacy. <laughs> gun With a gun. Diplomacy. Yeah. Yeah, well, the one thing that is, uh, we can look at the map and clearly see is that um, uh, Goons, Goon Swarm Federation has taken over Delve. It's pretty clear they own the place, right? Yeah, pretty much. I guess uh, test deployment there uh, is that over? Yeah, it, um, I, I touched base with Pro God Legend, and uh, they were just like, "Yep, we're out, finished, end of story, done." Uh, um, was that yeah. one one trillion he got paid for that? Was that money well spent? Well, I quizzed him about that. Ask Lenny about that. <laughs> I, I quizzed him about this, and it didn't. He, yes, he got the money, but it wasn't paid just to test it was actually he was given the responsibility to broker it out to like lumpy and other people that are in that region trying to defend it so it didn't go to all to test well that worked out yeah uh, i guess it was <laughs> i guess it was really just to put up a fight you know to make it harder for them but i think this this is very interesting i don't think it should be overlooked as uh, an inevitability but you're you're talking about the imperium led pretty much by goon swarm and they did it methodically, but they did it, uh, and slowly, but they did it, and they took over Delve. And so at some point, you have to remember these guys have a lot of players, and they have a lot of firepower if they're organized enough. So is this kind of the beginning of their stability and maybe comeback? That's too early to say, yeah, I think. Sure. Um you know, there's still a lot that can happen um, over the next few months because um, now they've got the space they're going to hold it, and you know, holding space under Aegis Sof, um requires a lot of tenacity. Which, well, yeah, the goons have proven they do have on a regular basis. Um, but it, you need you constantly need to be watching those borders all the time. So, 
it'd be interesting to see what happens and how they settle down and develop the space and what, what where they intend to go from there, basically. So it'll be interesting so, to see. Let me back you up a second. What happened at that lump before Dazar? Uh, can you tell us what happened there? So that was um, that actually happened down in Catch, which is a bit weird because we took a couple of wormholes there and I was like, hang on a minute, I have bookmarks for these systems. Oh, we're in Catch. Okay. Um, and they had placed this Fortizar down in um, a system that was controlled by Vault. Um, so was this an offensive staging ground? Yeah, it was an offensive Fortizar put down um, to just put a forward operating base into catch. Um, quite particularly, that, that what ended up there was basically uh, Lumpy and, and allies uh, that went to defend it, got their teeth kicked in, and Lumpy lost their entire cat fleet. Um, oh, yikes. What was so, uh, what they lose actually? Do you know? Um, a whole bunch of dreadnoughts, a few carriers, and a hell, I think. Right, but either way, the losses, though. but losses on the side sort of amounted somewhere in the region of like two hundred billion esque. I'm trying to remember. Uh, trying to remember what alliance has that ticker vault. Is that coalition, Lush? coalition, coalition, yeah. cult. Yep, that's Lush. led by Core Blood Brothers, who's the former yeah. head of uh, Probi Block when they were there. Yeah. That's right. They, they, the worst, the his... worst possible, the worst possible people to try and mess with the profit. They were the more aggressive of the pack. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I was part of a campaign to fight them for about three months, four months, um, because Volt have always claimed uh, territory over the northern part of Catch, because it's part of extended providence. So. Yeah. Uh, and they will defend it tooth and nail. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's um, greater providence. It's the same way with uh, goons and fake Quirius. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that, that's like the space they've always lived in, and that's part of the space they've always held, and, and they will aggressively defend it. Did they sweep in after Insidious had a meltdown? You mean Infamous? Oh, yeah, Infamous, not Insidious, Infamous. Uh, different region. But they were in catch, though, weren't they? Uh, they were in... Uh, they were in Quirius, mostly. I think they had a bit of catch, but that was mostly to the south and south. I see. West. Here on the map, we can see Volitions or uh, Sphere of Dominance is this area here. That's uh, what do you call that? Yeah. Northern, northeast, yeah, yeah, northeast catch. But Infamous had sort of the southwest of of the region, and their right. renter, the uh, renter alliance, was the majority in Quirius. I see. That's right. They had a renter alliance. But actually losing the uh, western part of Catch, um, Infamous, when they lost it, AAA moved in. That's who was moving in. So they're back yep. on the map in a, in a pretty significant way. Yeah, you way. can't leave a bit of space in uh, Catch without AAA moving straight back in. <laughs> they just, you know, somebody goes, right. they move straight back in. Oh, hey, guys, we're back again. And they post the insects. Then they get beat and they crawl their butt back to stain and the cycle repeats. Yep. Over and over again. I think I think even since I've been playing the game, um, they've gone in and out of that area like five, six times. So Yeah, it's it happens at least once every year or eighteen months or so. Triple mm-hmm. A will come out of stain, they'll be there for a little bit. They'll make someone mad, they'll get whipped and then they'll go back to stain. Yeah, Triple A didn't always have a um I don't know if they have a bad relation, uh, reputation now, but they had a pretty solid reputation for a long time. Yeah, I mean, they're back to certainly 
I can't remember when, but they were a big powerhouse um, back in the day. Well, uh, yeah, 2011. Yeah, 2011, because yeah. uh, I lived down in Tenerife briefly with my old. Yeah, I mean, they were nobody to mess with, though. They were they were considered pretty good. They had a good tournament team, and they were a good alliance. Um, they even had some podcasters. I think Winterblink was AAA. Yep, yep, uh, am yep. I mistaken? And uh, Manfred Sidious was one of their uh, leaders. I could be wrong about that, but I think his I corporation was in there. Uh, you're thinking uh, Perseus Calistrato, maybe? Uh, and was and Makalu was. Uh, yeah, Makalu was. And these are all like you know old uh, FCs and, and uh, block level people. But anyway, the South is basically in, in, in a little bit of a. It looks kind of stable to me. Um, mm-hmm. with some skirmishing going on down there. Yeah, I mean, the South is now stabilizing off, I think. Um, Infamous is gone. Uh, Goons have captured um, Delve. Uh, Catch is all stabilized up now again. Um, yeah. Uh, Fountain uh, in the West, um, that sort of war is sort of simmering along. Um, but I, th- I think it's gone back to the um, – because there's two coalitions now. The Fountain Core, which is the traditional sort of uh, group that's always lived in there, um, and Fountain Boys. I don't know who named that one, but either way. Um, and they're just doing a bit of a guerrilla warfare over towers and things like that now. Um, so that's all Core was ever really good for. Yeah, they, they, they just sort of um, – when when I used to speak to one of their diplomats, they were very keen to boast that they've outlasted 29 alliances. I think they're probably up to 32 now since last time I spoke to them. Yeah. Um, but they do. It's they pretty, just, easy, pretty easy to outlast something when you can hide an NPC station. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they just come out and they will hit towers and yeah, drop like, ratters and things like, like that. They're like AAA except they don't run as far. Yeah, and they make life very, very difficult for people that are living in the region. And you can't get rid of them because they just go, yep, we don't. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. <laughs> so that's how, they, that's how they do it. And eventually, when the power that's in the region of Fountain gets weak again, they just go in, take all the moons and start farming it until the next power comes in. And then they just let them take the moons and then start making them, wrap them up and, and keep reinforcing them until they go away. So that's how they do it. Um, what else is going on? Uh, who's moving into Cloudring since Tissue's gone? Oh, that's um. Oh, it's that Horde, is it? No. Oh, Tissue still has of amazingly. No, um, but somebody's moving into that space. That space is basically vacated. At least, no, you know what? Uh, they're taking over moons. They're not necessarily taking Sov. Yeah. Initiative has taken a couple of space, so they moved back into the area again. Um. And initiative mercenaries. So they're the ones that have moved in there. Now the power vacuum from tissue separating um, well, seems and, to have finished. And so tissue is actually, uh, it's kind of collapsed. They still exist, but they're basically one corporation, which was, I suppose, the lead corporation. Uh, adversity. Yep. Adversity. Um, we know them because they did a small run in, in CDOT. Um, but they had formed uh, tissue at least at the time before and maybe the time before that. Because uh, I think Tissue's been around now for six different times. They've built themselves up and then collapsed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, this is like the fourth time this has happened. No, this is the sixth. 
This is the sixth time the sixth. that we yeah, have done it, yeah. and we have become exceedingly efficient at it. <laughs> Tri Tri uh, Triumvirate is on number four, maybe, uh, but um, they're on three or four, and uh, yeah, these guys are on their sixth uh, time. And uh, I think um, their leader, Lex Arson, um, who uh, I, I don't know if he sets the example or not, but they're they're known for their trolling, their forum trolling and uh just being you know people you don't want to have to listen to if you don't have to there's a few of those groups there's a few <laughs> the kind groups. of the kind of person who you read the posts and it gives you immediate eye cancer yeah it's just yeah. like that, that, that explains why he's so well regarded on reddit or at least he I, used to be i think i would be in a, in adversity if i was 13 hopped up on sugar <sighs> And did wow. read 4chan? Whoa. If I did all those three things, then I would probably be in tissue. But that's just, kind of like the combination of what you get out of there. And just that's, putting your card so hard on the table, you're going to take someone's eye out. <laughs> I, I didn't hear anything about uh, Doritos or Mountain Dew. You need yeah, to get right. some of your internet Mount, culture Mountain better. Up, yeah. yeah, as long as it's not uh, Cheetos, yeah. that's, that's the goons. There you yeah. Go. yeah, that's not necessarily tissue. There's some maybe good corpse and tissue or... or you know, because they had internal struggles too. That, that yeah, yeah, adversity yeah. was just a little loud, but but anyway, adversity's sitting up there with uh, <laughs> they're sitting up there with PL, right? They're hanging out up there. I think they got the take. Well, I don't know if they've been taken into PL yet. That's the rumor. The rumor is is that I, I think they're trying to get into PL. <laughs> I would feel so sorry for Grath if they actually made it into PL. <laughs> yeah, if adversity makes it into PL, I I, I kind of think like well. You know, PL has a reputation for that kind of stuff too. But can they really go this to this level? Can they take it there? They and... can't. Uh, PL has some elements that can be like that, but you know, there are more, you know, well composed just from even my brief time as a spy with Horde. Like, I oh. think. I think that's why. Oh, you were in there. You were in there with a the spy. Yep. That's what how. Was I... it like. Yeah. It, it was. This was before. Um, the whole World War B, so it wasn't nearly as bad as far as uh, animosity goes. But they do a decent enough program for training some new players. But uh, oh well, we'll give them dealing that. Hmm. dealing with uh, but seeing how like Wrath, because I've had him on, you know, I've had him on Podside and stuff too. I just can't see his his personality mixing well with. The kind of the rampunctiousness you see out of a corp-like adversity. No, because he would come down on them like a ton of bricks when they step out of line, and they get that just even worse. Well, and that's what happened in NC. I think uh, they started plaguing the forums, and Vince was like, "That stops now." Yeah. <laughs> it stopped. Yeah, if they couldn't handle Vince, they damn sure couldn't handle Brav. <laughs> Well, I have to say, Vince is pretty good about, and and that's the reason it's a tolerable place, is he, he really kind of takes responsibility for not letting the culture rot, you know, because there's a lot of jokesters too, but he really sets that. Um, yep. But also there's a lot of mature players in NC. Like, I don't know if people know that, but there's just a ton of older players who've been around the block many times and just very settled people. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I did notice is that how much Jeff Rader changed. Because when yeah. we had when we had him on our show, he was he was bad. It was bad, but he mellowed out and he began doing his own show, and I, he became a lot more had the more pers respectable persona. 
Yeah, it's a really good show. I think anybody who listens to Jeff Rader's show will learn a lot uh, and actually be entertained the, the whole time. And he's doing really long shows now, which is cool because that, that helps people who've been driving, you know, have a long drive and stuff like that. I think a big thing with Jeff, though, was also he got a huge boost from the This Is Eve video. And yeah, uh, I think that helps. Yeah, he, he realized that people could actually take him seriously. Yeah, but uh, we, we like Jeff um, and we like all other podcasters. Anybody who's you know actually taking the time to make uh, stuff that's worth listening to or reading, uh, we're all fans of theirs. Except adversity. I don't want to read any of their stuff. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, this week RMT Records put out yet another song, and those dudes just consistent hit after hit, man. I haven't seen the last one. RMT Records are from where? From uh, yeah, it's, it's Imperium. Yeah, it's basically it's like the Ministry of Ministry of Truth is what they're called, but they do a lot of uh, propaganda work, imagery, video, audio. Oh, that's cool. All right, well, uh, if we don't have any more to report on NullSec, I'd like to wrap up the show a little bit early because I have to run uh, an errand. Sorry. And um, <gasps> unless you guys have anything, what you guys want to end the show on anything that you want to mention? Let's see. There was a sh- an event coming up. Uh, it's been promoted on a lot of places, but uh, one of, someone uh, from Just Let It Happen is actually whelping their supercarrier for charity. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. Um, I wish we could mention it. I'm not prepared to mention it. I was given some information, but I don't think it's completely out. I think they are trying to help out a friend who was uh, diagnosed with something bad. uh, Yeah, I got to to talk to him yesterday on Manny's Pothans show, and uh, he's got very acute kidney disease, and he needs a living donor. He has found a donor, but there are a lot of things that associated costs that his insurance will not cover. So he's doing fundraisers to get that money. And so this is to raise awareness for that guy, right? Yep. It's going to be a, like I said, it's a charity fundraiser. I got to meet the fellow who's going to be whelping his uh, super and head GP as well. Okay, great. Ah, there's a name inside of uh, chat, Tyler Durden. I imagine that's his real name. That's the guy. Well, do we know uh, any information on the actual um, uh, event, though, when it's happening? It's going to be, I believe it's within the next two weeks. I don't have an ironclad date in front of me. All right. Well, hopefully uh, we'll have one more show before that so we can actually talk about it and stuff. But uh, worthwhile. There's other stuff like that happening uh, all the time in Eve. And... um, I think there there's even a, a what help me out here something for kids care you for guys, kids care for kids you guys have to know that <laughs> I'm drawing so many blanks today Oof. yeah care for kids I think they do uh, a lot of stuff for um, kids they've actually become a real company and they've uh, formed a real corporation inside the game and and now they're actually uh, taking up space too so it's like it's something that's growing. That's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I took a chance to have a chat with, um, I never really know how to pronounce his name, C4. I'm just going to say C4. Uh, yeah, C4. Who's like, yeah, who's the main guy that's behind it. And there is that uh, Eve element to it, but it's 
you know, now there's like whole drives to get old consoles and things like that so they can put them in the hospitals and old computers so they can put them in hospitals for kids and camps and all sorts of really, really cool things. Um, and now they're in Germany and Australia and other places as well. So um, it, it's become much, much bigger than the original scope of just, you know, donating a bit of ISK to, to PACs to, so kids can play EVE while they're in hospital. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff. I'd like to see that it's growing. It means it's being successful, and so we kind of wish them more success. All right, you guys have any announcements, uh, things that you're doing? Well, I, well, I've got one other thing to point out, which is that yeah, sure. as we speak, the Councilor Stellar Management, every single member, elected member of the Council of Stellar Management are on their way to Iceland for this weekend, which is the, is the summit. Histori or Not historically, but within the last couple of years, they have been very good at getting out those minutes quickly. And this summit Sometimes is too quickly. likely going to be very important because we're going to see a lot about more about what's going on in November and beyond. So, um, you know, this weekend in particular and this next upcoming week is going to be a very important time um, as... I'm sure a lot of the announcements, especially the bigger things like the arrays and um, the, the rook wall and all that stuff, they want to show them to the CSM before they reveal it to everybody. So, um, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, if they reveal them to CSM and that stuff makes it onto the minutes, it takes away from their presentations later. So, so what you, you might, might see, though, is a lot of feedback. They'll probably let that stay since that's all public. So you might see a lot of where the community's mind is about the alpha clones and uh yeah. changes that are coming excuse me I, i'm sorry I, i'm what i mean is is that we have a very tight schedule between now and november in order to kind of roll out the changes and get things on singularity get things tested and all that stuff so what i think is happening is is that a lot of these really needing to be tightly tuned kind of changes or announcements are going to be talked about at the summit and then in the week or a couple of weeks followed we will see kind of a formal official numbers now that it has passed through the summit. How much do you think they're going to miss uh, Sugar Kyle, who used to be very aggressive at getting information to them and getting information from them to give to the community? You know, Sugar Kyle was really great. I, I, I love Sugar Kyle. Um, she was a great CSM person. Um, but I will say that there were others before her. Uh, Trevor was a great example. And it looks to me at least that Jinton has come a long way in picking up that banner. Um, I don't know if yeah, he necessarily totally. has enough umph to kind of like lead the whole thing. We'll see if the other CSM guys kind of really, re you know, as long as everybody dials in and realizes the importance of the summit, um, especially since all of them are there, perhaps it'll be easier to distribute the work because you know, it used to be that certain CSM people probably didn't even make all of the sessions because they had to be remoted in. Um, so hopefully they'll be able to get a, a quick turnaround. And like I said, with such a narrow window of time between now and November, I don't think that they're going to be messing around. I'd be really surprised if we saw m uh, any delays. Well, I think there's going to be a ton of feedback so, to look into, see, see where the people are as far as uh, the yeah. club. And they're going to have a really busy few, few days, that's for I, sure. I also want to say, especially since somebody brought him up in the chat, um, you know, there's been a lot of naysayers about Zanuria, but everything I have heard is that he has been doing actually a really good job, that he is a passionate CSM guy. He does good research 
and presents solid arguments in particular around kind of the story of the PVE, NPE, those kind of things that we are or that uh, they're looking at doing in the next few months. Well, that's good. I think the uh, expectation was so low that it would be hard for him not to be considered that's, a success. But that's fair. But yeah, he's uh, he's a writer at TMC, and uh, you know we appreciate the work that he does. But um, community-wise, people knew that he was he was volatile, or he you know had he had set a low bar for himself. So when he got in, people thought it was the end of the world. And hey, it's not. <laughs> and he's actually a great CSM. And it was just you know who'd have thunk it. Um, yeah, so I think there was something else I wanted to talk about. There is another article that I'm going to write. It's another analysis of the free-to-play. I am going to hit on some of the things that um, I don't – if you look – if you read between the lines, CCP is looking at um, the changes that this new alpha clone you know, level participation uh, will allow. And uh, – I think they can handle just about everything that we've thrown at them. I think what they're afraid of, if anything, is the stuff they can't see coming. And what I mean by that is, uh, and they spell it out, you know, problems with the economy. I also think there's a lot of other stuff that hasn't been thought about. Um, they've made mistakes before by uh, taking the 24-hour skill queue limit and saying it's now unlimited, and then they saw activity go down in the game. I think that was an unexpected consequence. And those are very psychological, uh, you know, those are those are psychological areas that you don't know how people are going to react to things. And I, don't, the, I don't know if I agree with your premise. Um, I think that the, the infinite skill queue change was definitely, uh, you know, had some ramifications, but I don't necessarily think that it was a mistake to, to do or anything. I, and I also don't necessarily think that the consequence was unexpected. It's just one of those things that they, I mean, I'm sure that they were monitoring for it because, you know, people log in to do their skill queue. It's not unreasonable to expect that if you make it infinite, that more people are going to, uh, you know, log out. What they did realize was that, A, those numbers are important, and B, that they've they've created a artificial difference in, um, in power. So in a lot of ways, it was kind of the very early... Dinkle, tinklings into um, into the free-to-play idea. The idea that there are two different stages of power. You can either have an unlimited skill queue, or you can have a limited skill queue. Well, I think yep. the surprise to them, and I, I think it's stated they were they were wrong about something, is that they didn't know that just getting to the client was important. Like, they thought that people would go through the client into the game to do something. In other words, I'm going to turn on the game, I'm going to log in, I'm going to do something. And that was activity. But what they didn't realize that some people would log in just to change a skill queue and then decide to proceed into an activity or do something. And so when they said, guess what, you don't have to log in for 365 days, um, people let their characters bake. They didn't go into the game to play it. They were, and this is what I get to in the article, they were cultivating potential to do things. And I think that's a big part of Eve is you can call it min-maxing, you can call it something else. It is cultivating the potential to be powerful in the game. And that's a psychological area. I don't know how it's going to affect this, um, these new alpha clones and how people do it. What I suspect is that uh, overall the development of the game is changing in that if you play the game, you get 
good at it and you get rewarded for it. Your actions are rewarded. That's the whole thing. But if you just want to live in the game, if you just want to own things in the game and cultivate potential to do things, that gameplay is no longer valued as much. And that's why it's being given away for free to exist in, uh, in EVE. It's, it's a bit of a stretch. but Yeah, well, there's also the interesting add-on that the free-to-players do have the limited skill queue. So that means that in if you're in an alpha state and you want to get potential power, you do have to come back every day. Uh, or not every day, but but you know fairly frequently. The other really interesting thing about alpha clones, which a lot of people haven't necessarily talked about, which may come into what you're talking about, is that alpha clones have the potential to easily become done, right? They, they can ma meet a maximum power level where they get all of their skill points and then that's the best that it's going to be. And then it's just about how to properly leverage the skill points that you have, which is a state that we've never had in EVE. Well, what I think, and that's a mistake, I think, because here's what I was, was talking with Corneros about this. I think it was even on air is that people want to come back to something. They don't have anything to come back to, like a little surprise. Um, there's no pull to get them back. And that was the thing. It's like it, as your skill queue is going, you don't want it to run out because you want to maximize that. So you log in to check it, and then you add more stuff to it. That was a real habit. And I think if, if, if these alpha clones stop accruing, they're dead because they're not going any further. Uh, I think what they need to do is say, you know what? You can still accrue. You're accruing slower, and you can't use the skills. But, you know, should you, you know, Come back after six months of leaving it sitting there, and you have thirty thousand SP points and skill points, and you get to put them, you know, wherever else. You're going to do a little bit of that cultivation of power. You're going to say, oh, "I want to try this. I want to try that. I want to try that." Well, I think that um, I think that especially with skill injectors being a thing, you do have this idea that as a free player, you can be collecting ISK, which is effectively a new way of gaining SP through the purchasing of skill injectors. So I, I think that there's good options. I, I personally really like the idea that there is a kind of base power level that Omegas get to kind of cheat to be stronger than. Not necessarily cheat, but they get to be stronger than it. But there is kind of an accepted power level that the content is kind of geared for to be able to be done by alpha. If it's alpha content or if it's content that can be done by alphas, then it's going to have a specific power level. And as we've seen in a lot of these events, that power level is actually a very comfortable power level. Um, you know, you can just if you want to go in in a thorax or even as in a T3 destroyer or something like that, you can probably get the job done. If you come in a Cerberus, you're just going to you know wipe the floor with it. And be done with it um and, but but for somebody who wants to be a lower tier or that is at a lower tier uh combat level or power level they do they can still engage within it but it's a lot more like dynamic or impressive of engagement because you don't have as high of a power level um so i think that allows them a gearing point for pve that they haven't had before in the past uh you know no matter what they build for content uh, you just overpower it with, and, and, you know, the idea is more and more difficult, bring better and better things. Eventually they discovered that that kind of arms race doesn't work. And so you need to have an, something to establish where the power curve is so that advanced characters can be advanced of it and basic characters can be on the curve. Hmm. 
Well, interesting. We'll pick this up next show. Uh, one other thing is the uh, a lot of the players that are coming back will have a certain amount of wealth. Uh, they're not coming back empty-handed and all the stuff they've left everywhere. I think we talked about that earlier, but it's going to be interesting to see how that's used if people clean out, you know, open up, take the opportunity to open up old alt accounts and clean out stuff and uh, to give to their mains and stuff. And yeah, what totally. effects those will have on the economy. be interesting. But we're going to wrap it up there. I'll um, just say uh, one thing. Yeah. Um, there's a few upcoming player events that you guys probably want to be uh, taking a look at if you're in the European area. G Fleet uh, is on the 16th of September next week. Um, that's going to be a big one. Um, and then there's Eve NC in Northern North Carolina, uh, Ashboro. I believe that's how it's pronounced. Um, and that's on the 17th of September as well. That's it. Awesome. All right. Uh, on behalf of Erzio, uh, Ashtarathi, Tiberius, and myself, I want to thank you guys for showing up uh, tonight. I guess it's a full show after all. It looked a little different because we're actually doing it uh, at a different location. So uh, we didn't have the introduction that we usually have. But thanks again for hanging out. Thanks, Dirk, for being in the uh, chat and helping out with uh, questions and there's a gamer and all the guys that uh, showed up today. Thanks very much. We'll see you next time.